I wanted to start with Jordan Tyson. Um, just uh, make a uh, really make a big deal about, uh, I'd say, one of the more significant individual performance here in the last few years. Um, you know, the first true freshman ever to get two Pac-12 Players of the Week honors and um, Freshman of the Week um, and also, uh, you know, Special Teams Player of the Week. Just um, we've seen his growth. We've seen his maturity. Um, it has been a lot of work with Chris Reiner and the Special Teams crew and, um, and also with Coach McGagan as a receiver coach. And, um, you know, just seeing a lot of his labors come to fruition on, on, in game day, I think, was, a, was something that needs to be celebrated here um, by, our, by our athletic department, by our football program, and, and frankly, I think, you know, within, within the confines of our media. Um, and I think this really, it, it brings me to what I think is a really important time in CU football history. Um, you know, and I believe that what Buffs for Life and the, and the collective uh, put forth at the, at the tail end of last week, um, I really do believe that this is a, a game-changing narrative for, their, for our program. Uh, we feel like it's a really good interface for, um, for all Buffs really out there, and, and particularly I'm speaking to, to former Buffs because Buffs for Life started out as um, – you know, as, a, as a, a charity arm to be able to make sure that no, no former student athlete at CU would ever be left alone without help. Um, and the beautiful thing about what's happened with name, image, and likeness um, is that now that that can be extended to our current student athletes. Um, and just speaking very candidly about where this, this game is right now, and just so everybody truly understands um, the, the landscape that we are in as college coaches and recruiters, um, you know, there's been several stories over the course of the last year, two years, but really the last year since I've been here at CU um, where we're, we're in deep with a, a recruit uh, or a transfer, um, even sometimes a personal connection to that transfer. Um, and we're on the phone. Everything's good. Going to be on an official visit. And then all of a sudden it goes completely silent. Um, you can't get any texts back. You can't get any phone calls back. Uh, and the reality of, of the situation that we're in right now um, is we find out information sometimes secondhand because the, NL, the NIL space is not completely public information as, you know, as it relates to deals. But we find out, you know, hey, that's, that, that particular student athlete went from essentially having no NIL on the table in general um, from any school, and then all of a sudden, literally a three hundred or four hundred thousand dollars deals on the table. So this is this is real, um, and this is this is where we're stepping into this space as a football program. Um, and so all the information that was was shared for Buffs for Life uh, in our new collective, I, I'm I'm calling on former Buff players. I'm calling on uh, people in, in in this CU community that support football and want us to have a great product on the field. This is where we have to go. Um, this is not something that's just going to happen uh, organically. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's a small gift or a ma major gift. Everything is going to help um, get us to where we want to get. Um, and, you know, to make things really clear for us from a football need perspective, uh, on, the on the Bus for Life NIL Collective uh, portal, you, you, need, you, you can click on particular sports. Uh, we know for us and what we need, we want to get that uh, NIL collective um, from a, you know, from the standpoint of, of building it up. And you can click on the football uh, in terms of specifically where you want to give your gift to. Um, and I think that this is going to be uh, a, a game-changing piece of, of the puzzle for our program going forward. And I fully believe that. And I know how much this program is supported. We see it every Saturday at Folsom. Uh, we feel it. 
We, we, we understand how, how badly people here want to win. That's a part of the, of, of the puzzle. It's not the only part of the puzzle, but it is a, a, a large part of the puzzle. Uh, and I just personally wanted to thank um, the Buffs for Life um, organization, uh, Rick George, um, you know, and also our compliance office for, for collaborating to make this happen because I really do think this is going to help our program take the next step forward. Um, so uh, big, big week this week against Oregon. Uh, tremendous football team. A uh, lot of team speed. Um, probably some of the best, uh, you know, line play that you see, particularly their, their defensive line and the veterans on offensive line and the linebacker core. Um, you know, there's some familiar faces on the coaching staff for me, uh, some familiar faces really on the field, um, you know, uh, the running back obviously uh, was was one of those players that was in the portal and went to uh, went to Oregon. I have a great relationship with him, uh, and then also obviously with uh, a lot of our players with uh, we know with with Christian Gonzalez um, going to going to Oregon. So um, we look forward to the challenge. It's a it's a it's a obviously a big challenge for us. Um, you know we went to work today, and we understand that um, we have to play extremely hard, and we got to play with extreme discipline, uh, and we got to make the plays that are there to be made. Um, to, get, to take this game um, to where it needs to go. And that's, uh, we all understand it's going to be a, a, a tall task, but it's a task that we are fully uh, up for and we're going to continue to embrace as we go. So with that, I'll open up for questions. Mike, you talked about the impact of NIL with recruiting. Is it also important in, in terms of keeping guys that have developed here in Boulder? I think the, the most important thing for us right now, and when I took this job, I, I said it to every one of you that I'm, everything that I do in this assignment is going to be about the players. Um, and so that's what I'm doing right now. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm going on a, on a soapbox about the importance of, of Buffs for Life because I want for our student athletes to be on, um, I want them to be compensated because the rest of the landscape of Power 5 football is doing as such. Um, and that's something that really anybody that, that loves CU football and loves CU athletics can make an impact. Um, and so a lot of that is going to be, um, to, you know, in order for us to retain our current roster. And the retention of this roster is by far the most important thing because we have some tremendous examples of growth. Um, and even earlier in the year, you know, you were seeing examples of growth and it, it continues to grow to the point where you're starting to see some confidence and starting to show up on game day. Um, you know, that's, that's how this program is ultimately going to be built into a championship caliber, caliber program is the retention and the development of some of our young depth. Um, if, if we have to hit the reset button again with, with our roster, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that's going to be in the best interest of anything going forward. And I think the part of the, the retention is for us as a, as a CU community to step up to the challenge of, of embracing this new space that we're in. Uh, it's not changing anytime soon. Um, we are blessed with tremendous resources at this university um, in terms of how we're how we're funded our budget um, our coaches salaries we're, we're at, to me we are so well taken care of in my opinion and I've coached at you know Notre Dame Stanford you know Minnesota and Boise State so these are these are peer institutions and we are equally competitive in that space where I believe we have to take that next step is is embracing this new collective, embracing Buffs for Life, taking care of our current roster, uh, and I'm going to fight for that. No, I'm going to continue to fight. I'm, I'm going to continue to to make sure that we understand that this is not going to a bad cause. This is going to student athletes that everybody's going out and cheering for um, and watching on TV. And um, and when you wear that logo, you're essentially supporting those that that wear those those logos on game day. Uh, and so I think it's incredibly important for the retention of our roster to step up in a big way. 
on paper, um, 31 point underdogs this week. I mean, a lot of people don't think you guys have a shot. When you were at Western Kentucky 2018, I know you had a couple games like that Wisconsin, Louisville. Yeah. It's almost won the Louisville game. Yep. Now, so you've been in situations like this. How do you prepare a team for a game like this when nobody thinks they have a shot? And you kind of what's the recipe for you guys to stay in a game like this and, and try to win it? Well, there's, there's a quote that I showed, um, showed our players this morning, and um, it was a Max Lucado quote, and it said, if, if you want to conduct an orchestra, you have to turn your back to the crowd. Um, and that's what you have to do. You know, if you want to lead, uh, and, 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 you know, through, through tough times, through adversity, uh, when nobody's giving you a chance, at, at some point you have to literally turn your back to the crowd, and you got to focus on those that you lead. And that's, you know, some of our upperclassmen in their positions, some of our unit leaders, offense, defense, and special teams, and frankly, that's me too. You know, I have to turn my back on the crowd. I have to, I have to be able to um, really face the noise just right here when I'm in front of the media, um, and and I and I face it, uh, you know, head on all the time. I want to be as transparent and honest. Um, but when I go back into game plan and when I go back in to run team meetings, um, it's all about uh, ignoring the noise outside and realizing that if we play harder than our opponent and we play to our maximum potential of how hard we play. Um, that's what ultimately yielded the result, especially defensively against Cal. I really believe that it was just how hard we played. Um, it, you know, any magic calls? No, and not necessarily. There was we. I think we tightened some things up, but we just played incredibly hard. I think last game we played incredibly hard, and um, if we can combine playing very, very hard and and surpassing uh, how hard we played last week and the week before and the week before, and combine that with execution and being in the right spots and executing the calls. Um, then it gives you a chance. Um, and if it gives you a chance, then obviously in a game like this that, um, you, you know, you've you got a, a big heavy favorite on the road um, coming into your place, um, you know, we, we, we want to we do everything in our power to play as hard and surpass that and then, and then play with better execution um, than we did last week. And we, if we play with better execution than our opponent, it gives you a chance. Hey coach, uh, just as a former quarterback and someone who's coached the position for a long time, just curious about your thoughts on uh, Bo Nix, number 10 for Oregon, and his progression just um, year over year for this year. Yeah, you know, um, I, I've had a lot of respect for Bo. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm one of those guys uh, when I'm evaluating quarterbacks, I'm always looking for um, somebody that can do more than just what the play is designed for, and that's who Bo has been. Um, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm fairly close with some of the guys that were at, at Auburn, just from my experience at Boise State, um, you know, on that staff that was at Auburn. Um, and I was watching him a little bit last year and then watching him, obviously, before that, um, you know, under, the, under Gus Malzahn. And um, he's a guy that can extend plays. But um, what you're finding right now, they're doing a really good job of, uh, of just, you know, they're, they're an empty a whole heck of a lot, um, finding easy completions early in games and then allowing his kind of natural athleticism to play the second play to take over. Um, he's playing at a high level. I mean, he's playing good ball. Um, and they have good skill around him as well. They have good O-line. Um, it's tough to get a pass rush, you know, on, on their, on, you know, how they play up front. Um, but, you know, I think the, the empty has kind of been their, their deal to get him in rhythm early in games and be able to get him some, you know, five-yard completions. And then with their skill, they're able to make those into bigger gains. So, and then after they, they get into empty, then all of a sudden here come, you know, your crossing concepts and stuff that are deeper down the field and he's in rhythm. Um, and that's really always really been our, our model and my model as a, as a quarterback coach is get a quarterback in rhythm early. Um, and then you can start being more advantageous and look down the field um, as the game progresses, as the quarterback settles in. And I, you know, I think we, we, we attempted to do that early in that game. And, you know, we just, just for us last week, it was just, Finding those completions early, we got to do a better job of doing that. But I, I think Bo's a really good player.
Hey Coach, uh, I know it's a different situation here at, at Folsom, but uh, when you see things that happen, like the Michigan-Michigan State thing, hmm. can those be teaching moments for you as a coach just to kind of remind players what not to do and what to do and stuff like that? It's, it's, it's unbelievable. I think in, in the modern era of college football, there's so many things happening because of, because of the portal. Um, because I think players sometimes have, have gone to another, you know, gone to another institution. And sometimes it's, you know, it might be solely just about, um, you know, what can I get for myself right now? And so it's almost like it's, it's taking away from the identity of a team. Um, and, you know, I'll be honest, like I, I saw that myself. I, I'm looking for Arizona State's head coach after the game to shake his hand. Um, he's running over to the tunnel to try to get a third of his team to come back and, and come out and shake our hands. And they were already up the tunnel, and the, and the game's still being played. There's two more kneels to take, and there's guys that are walking up the tunnel. I'm, it's just a different era of college football. And what I'm really proud of on this team is that I've seen nothing of that. Uh, I've seen players on our team that are fully invested in, in the brotherhood of, of our team. Um, it's, it, it's something that I take very seriously um, because I think that's how you ultimately develop a, a sustainable model of a program. Um, and and I'm, I'm really pr proud of, of the character that we've been um, exhibiting, uh, you know, as a team. And, and that's really important to me. And, and I want to do everything I can to uphold uh, what is such a great tradition and legacy of this program um, by how we conduct ourselves both on and off the field. Does Alex Fontenot still have any hurdles that he needs to get over in order to get cleared? Today was his, his last day uh, in a non-contact jersey, uh, but did practice. So um, tomorrow should be his first day of contact. He, he's, most of that has been precautionary um, as opposed to, um, you know, almost like us trying to push him along too quickly. Um, so he was non-contact last week, mostly individual. Today he got, you know, scout team reps. Uh, and then tomorrow, you know, the blue jersey comes off. So uh, I'm excited to get Alex back. And, you know, Dion came out of that game uh, just surprisingly with the production he had. He looked really fresh today. So uh, Anthony Hankerson looked like he was fully back today as well. Jay Lee's back. So uh, it was interesting. We do a ball security circuit and usually have to divide up and add a bunch of, uh, you know, wide receivers to the running back room. Um, but because we added Dante Capolungo and everybody else got healthy, um, now that there's too many guys in that rotation, so we had to move some receivers back to the receiver group. Um, so that's a good thing. You know, you can actually see that that we're getting we're getting um, I think quality, uh, you know, experience in Font, uh, and then Font to me he runs like a hammer, and he, you know, and, and and really I think the seven weeks since his injury. He's also put on about I think nine pounds, so he looks he looks good, uh, and it's been a good it's it's been a good nine pounds. It hasn't been a, a bad nine pounds, so uh, I'm excited to get him back. And obviously the challenge is going to be is that Dion's playing such good football right now. Uh, getting Dion into a rhythm is incredibly important um, because he does provide that that opportunity for an explosive play at any time. But so does Font, you know. Um, and so we're gonna we're gonna work those guys in, and uh, you know still have a really healthy rotation at running back. Hi, Coach. I think you were asked this question recently, but now Colorado is one in seven. What is your ratio in managing the short term and investing in the long term of this program? Yeah, you know, I think I think it's it's number one. It's it's while we're my entire focus is 100 percent on um, just today to Tuesday, and, and uh, after we already put our first and second down game plan together, practiced it today. Now. Our entire focus moves to third down situational, which is getting better. Um, wasn't to the standard. I think last week we were, um, you know, third down and fourth down. We were well above where we were above 50%. Which, if you get that number, you're, you you should consistently be in the top 15 if you consistently do it over and over. Um, I think just 
focusing on the game plan is incredibly important, but then I think compartmentalizing time in my day where I can, I can really tackle some of the, those issues about helping move this program forward because I wanted to, I wanted to steward this position very well um, and, and look forward because if, if all these decisions and all of this stuff with, with buffs for life and um, stuff that we're looking at with being aggressive in, in the evaluation of what's already going into the portal, um, I think that's, you know, that's stuff that we got to have our eyes down the road and, and, and I have to compartmentalize time in my day. Um, and I, I feel like I've been supported really well in that by Alec Russo. Um, you know, his, our, our football administrator, he and I are meeting about a lot of these things together to make sure that we're, we're digging into these with Rick George um, as, you know, really the three of us working together and meeting with Rick on, on a weekly basis. Uh, I think it's really important just to, for, for, for all of us to be completely on the same page about moving this program in a positive direction. Um, one thing that, that hasn't been mentioned um, that I'm really proud of, uh, I think it was about 30 days ago, uh, we were asked, you know, how, how are you guys going to prevent people from just jumping in the portal? So with the new NCAA rule, the portal opens for your team um, when there's a, a head coaching change made. Um, it's open for 30 days. Um, we only lost one player, one scholarship player um, that was voluntarily went into the portal um, and, it, and, and it wasn't a starter. Um, and so I'm really, uh, I'm really pleased with the work of our staff, um, the, the work of our players to stay together in this time um, to, to not have a mass exodus like you're seeing at some of these other programs. Mike, sometimes there's a, a tendency to judge a player very quickly off their performance. But in reality, you know, JT Stroud has not played a ton of football. Um, so as you're watching him develop, um, are you seeing, you know, again, you talked about the percentage wasn't great the other night, but are you seeing things that uh, you're seeing JT play better football as it goes along and that you know, you're kind of excited to see what he can do as, as he continues to get more reps and just learn more in the process? No, I am excited about, about his growth. Um, you know, I think at times JT is, um, it just has a tremendous intensity, um, tremendous just care factor for football. Um, there's times where he almost skips level 100 to go to level 800 courses. Um, and like even today in practice is like, hey, let's just, let's just major in level 100 and do it really, really well because your natural abilities take over when you master level 100. Um, there's times where he's, you know, gets up there and, it, it, you know, he spent enough time around Peyton Manning that I think he, you know, wanted to learn by osmosis to get up there and Omaha, Omaha and make all these new Mike IDs. I'm like, we don't, we don't need that. We just need us, you know, just concentrate on, on our progressions, where the ball needs to go and throwing a great, a great pass. Um, and that's just, just for him, it's, it's more about just simplifying his pre-snap thought process and allowing his natural abilities um, as an elite arm talent player to take over. Mike, obviously you mentioned earlier, you know, this program getting to face one of its former players in Christian Gonzalez this week. Obviously the following week it's two more and Makai Blackman and Brennan Rice. And you've been talking a lot about, you know, this Buffs for Life program and just kind of how you guys can improve as a program in terms of being there for players. Um, is that a step that needs to be taken where you're not losing players in an offseason to, to rival programs or just, you know, just in general to other Power Five I think it's. I think it really is almost the only step to make sure that we take care of our current roster. Um, and what I love about it is there's so many people in Buff Nation, there's so many people in the CU community that just want to know, what can I do? Um, and for years, that was illegal um, to be able to, you know, financially contribute to the well-being of the student-athlete outside of just, you know, 
um, you know, occasional meals and stuff that are, are you know, kind of along those lines. But um, now it's the NCAA has made this completely legal. And so the answer is, what can I do to help the current players? Um, it's to give to this Buffs for Life collective. And frankly, for Buffs for Life to be building a, a war chest to be able to help our, all of our, of our student athletes um, to feel like they're taken care of. Um, we're take, they're taken care of in terms of being in one of the most beautiful cities in America. They're taken care of with um, an athletic department and a staff that cares about them. Um, but when you start looking outside to other peer institutions and you start seeing, wait a minute, they're getting this and we aren't, um, that's something that's directly in our, in our control. And so for as long as I have the opportunity to talk about this, I'm going to continue to make sure that I fight for these players um, because I believe that um, the livelihood of this program going towards a, tr a championship level um, is going to be a combination of retention of roster, um, being, you know, uh, continuing to hold on to our commits because I think we have a tremendous uh, group of commits um, coming in in the 23 class uh, and then being aggressive in the, in the portal. And part of that is to, to make sure that you are well equipped from an NIL space to, to be able to get into that, um, you know, full speed ahead uh, and not be, you know, be behind. So um, our roster is way more important than the portal today. Uh, and it will continue to be that way because you have to you have to develop your roster. You have to be able to retain some of these even fifth year players that are eligible for a six year. There's there's a few of those on this roster, and um, if they believe that they're going to be well taken care of by this by this Buffs for Life collective, um, then I really believe that they're going to say this is a special place. Um, I love my brothers on this team, um, and we are on level footing with our peers from an NIL perspective. And I think that's uh, that's probably the most important thing is to make sure that our, our student athletes felt cared for. Anything else for Coach? All right, thanks Coach. Oh, one more, final, final. Uh, terrific uh, results from the return game last uh, What were the changes made? Why, what, what, what led to the step up? Um, you know, I think, I, think, I think Jordan Tyson, and, and to be honest, you know, Jordan Tyson himself was, um, we feel like we have a, an X factor in Nico Reed. I mean, Nico's a tremendous return man, um, but also Nico's role on, on defense is incredibly important. You know, you don't rotate corners every play. Um, you can rotate wide receivers, you know, and that's you know, personnel changes. Uh, we control how much we, we, you know, we play Jordan. Uh, and so it just made more sense. And frankly, I think Jordan starting a series off with a punt return or a kick return almost gets him into rhythm to go play really good offensive football. Um, and I think that was something that we made that decision. Um, frankly, I, I've seen him. We do a, a open field tackle drill. We call it the goat rope drill because uh, the, the, the least, um, you know, uh, you'll see us on the sideline, even Jordan's uh, at celebration. Um, you know, anybody who gets open field tackled, we call them a goat rope um, because they got rope goaded just like in a rodeo. Um, cattle roping, goat roping, uh, you know, the goat is less than the, uh, the cattle. But every time we watch Jordan Tyson in that, in that open field tackle drill, we do it every Tuesday, he's made somebody miss. And he's done it in a way that was kind of open your eyes. And so I, saw, I was sitting there looking at it, and I'm like, we need to play. Jordan needs a return, period. Like, and, and I think there was some fear about him as a true freshman, how he's going to you know, field the punts, how he's going to judge balls that aren't kicked you know, with perfect spirals. And I said, I don't care. I believe in this, in this dude. Uh, and then Chris Reiner um, has put together really good schemes. I think he's done that, um, you know, done a, a very good job of the schemes. And then another thing we've done is we've, we've created a dog squad. The dog squad is all of a lot of our walk-ons. Um, you know, that, that we're, we, I know the kind of pride that they have, be, a lot of them from the state of Colorado. 
um, and just having a role. Most of them, a lot of these these players weren't traveling before, even weren't suited up. Um, a couple of those guys that I can name off the top of my head: Ben Finiseth, Mac Willis, Trey Ortega. Um, you know, Charlie offered all, even though he's played offensively. Um, you know, Mikey Harrison. Um, these are guys that that I've seen that have such a high care factor and love this team. Um, some of those players, I just, there were, we, we, we paused the frame and there were five of those dog squad members that were in perfect position holding up on their blocks and here comes all the space. Um, and so I think just empowering more people on our roster, it, it leads to more buy-in uh, and players playing different roles and, and, and really owning their roles. Anything else? All right, thanks coach. Thank you very much. Obviously, the theme of coach was uh, the bust for life collective. So let me just get your thoughts on that as a as a player. When you saw that this last week, what were your thoughts? What was it again? The, the bust for life collective. You guys? Oh, I didn't. I haven't. <laughs> I don't know much about that. Yeah, the NIL collective. You guys? I haven't been touching about that. I've been focused on game film and then Oregon. So. Let me, just a broader question. Let me ask you on that. Um, mm-hmm. How important is it for you guys to have something like that, where the players are getting? Some NIL money. I mean, you're seeing some of your peers are, you know, they're getting that. How important is that for you guys? As I think it's ex- extremely important for us, uh, especially Colorado, to start doing that. Um, yeah, other people doing it at other uh, universities. So um, it's just smart, you know. To it's the way to compete, and so um, that's how they we got to do it. Then we should do it, and just give the opportunity to all the student athletes here, so that we all have a fair chance to compete and have fun and just show out what we do. So. Jalen, obviously not the results you wanted on Saturday, but what did it mean to you to be named the defensive player of the game? Uh, just extremely humbling. I uh, appreciated the, I, I like give them all to the team. You know, I'm Colorado native. Uh, we've been through thick and thin. I've seen a lot of adversity over my time being here, and just, um, just how you react is just shows your identity, your character, and so. Um, we got to move on, just learn um, what mistakes were made, uh, what can we improve on, and just um, as for me being named defensive player, I feel like I played my best game that game. So um, for this next week, I'm trying to focus on topping that, making that better, on making more plays, uh, seeing what I can do to help with uh, this team win football games. And so if that starts up front, then I'll do it. I'll do what I can. So. Hey, Jalen. Quarterback like Bo Nix, what's the key to stopping him when he's so versatile with the run of the pass? Uh, he's a good player. He's a great quarterback. Uh, they have a good system. They got a lot of athletes on the edge and the perimeter. So um, we just got to be able to contain him in our rush. Uh, just and just don't have fear of you know just got to get after him. We got to be able to attack and have that mindset of attacking defense, stopping the run, attacking them, getting TFLs putting them negative positions and getting them backed up so that we can use our uh, playbook. We can show what we do. Um, we can get after them and then uh, it correlates with our coverage. So our rush and our coverage have to go hand in hand. We got to play complimentary football and um, he's a, he got a good arm. He's made quite a uh, few passes that are just, you know, um, pretty outstanding and just them coming to here, it's Folsom. We gotta, we gotta hold, defend the house. So we're just gonna get after him, especially with me. Uh, pocket presence. I gotta make sure he stays in there and just, just be a hassle. Uh, ha- wreak havoc. Sorry, wreak havoc in the background, in the backfield. So. 
Jalen, the other day, you guys were able to have some pretty good success on first down. I think they, Arizona State averaged under two yards per carry on first down. Is that a sign for this defense that you guys are headed in the right direction in terms of just winning first down and getting yourselves into good spots for second and third down? Uh, definitely. Like how you said, uh, causing those negative plays on first down helps it. Uh, the percentage of the defense getting off the field increases. It's higher. And so um, just having those TFLs, that brings us energy. That gives us hype, uh, especially if a D-lineman is making a TFL. Um, we're all doing our job. We're flying around. It, it all brings energy. And then you feel it in Folsom. Like the, the crowd, the student section, they never fail to come show out and show love. So we appreciate them. But uh, just that has to be our identity is uh, making stops on first and second downs, attacking that run, and then forcing them to throw. And so that when we, we do that, we know that our rush and our coverage has to go hand in hand. So that's a good, that's our key, that's our game plan for this week. So. Hi, Jalen. <clears throat> of course, the Buffs have dealt with quite an adverse season overall. How do you feel like you've personally grown? Um, personally, I feel like uh, I've just improved every game. Um, I've gotten better. Um, I learned from my mistakes and uh, trying to have a perfect game. That's like my main goal is have a game where I don't mess up on no technique, no <laughs> mental errors, and I play well and just have the same type of game that I had last week. So just striving for that. Anything else for Go ahead, Brian? So at this point, obviously, you guys can't go to a bowl game, but you have an opportunity to face um, you know, some of the top teams in this conference over the last month. It looks like a brutal schedule, but as players and competitors, how excited are you for this opportunity to go against those teams and, and maybe play a spoiler role, spoiler role a little bit? It's like, uh, I'm extremely excited. Uh, that's just four more opportunities for me to showcase my talent and then also to um, showcase what our defense is about. As you can see in uh, the last three, two weeks, we've been, we've been improving, getting better. Um, we we made a couple mistakes, but that's just what film is for. We gotta correct it and then practice. We gotta keep practicing it and just fundamentally getting our details and our technique right. But for me, I look towards these big uh, teams that we're gonna face. There's just another opportunity to be an underdog and show them, you know, not to be messed around with. You know, I love the game. I love the trenches. Uh, big guy, gotta fight. So I appreciate it. So. I uh, look forward to Oregon and then SC and Washington after that, so we'll see. <laughs> Anything else for Jalen? All right, thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> this is fun. <laughs> <laughs> first time out of the line. Yeah, first time. All right, questions for Tank. Right. You know, just talk about your, your development this year, you know, starting off with uh, you weren't in that starting lineup and then Moving over to where now you're kind of entrenched in that lineup at left tackle. And what's the season been like for you and the progression you've got through? So, yeah, um, at the beginning of the season, like you said, I was in that starting lineup. I was hoping to be. I thought I had put work in. I was coming off a of labrum surgery, so I understood where I needed to get better and needed to develop. And so I took my time in fall camp to get my, one, my feet wet with the ones because uh, we had tackles go down during camp from heat stroke, all that stuff. So I kind of got to see siege the opportunity to get some reps in and then throughout the first couple of weeks I kind of saw that they were favoring the two tackles at first and I kind of understood I was talking to my coach about it and he just kind of told me a few things I needed to develop on and after that second third week I kind of just kept pushing and pushing on it 
and come around for a week four for Cal, I get my opportunity and kind of just goes up from there. I was happy about it. Jared, your, your nickname Tank is pretty obvious why folks call you that. What's the origin of the nickname? Did you get that here at CU? Uh, no, I did not. So Tank, oh, that's a long story. Um, I got that <clears throat> from my old head coach from youth football from like Pee Wee, uh, Craig Barksdale, and he was my coach from uh, since I was eight until my senior year of high school, and he kind of helped me develop as a kid, growing up, kind of showed me the way to be a football player. Um, but yeah, it all stemmed from him when I was eight years old, <laughs> biggest kid on the field. What does it mean for you as an offensive lineman just to see um, Dion, not just from a personal level and coming back from his injury, but you know, just seeing him have success and having a 100-yard rusher you know, for the first time in a while? What, what is that like for you guys as an offensive line group? Uh, it's, a, it's a great pride we like to hold because anytime we can get a running back back from injury or back from whatever happens and give him the rush 100 yards is pretty impressive and kind of Throws it like we want. We always talk about in the games or whatever's going on. Like we want to throw the game on our back. Like it's gonna be us versus them. Like it's gonna be the trenches that are gonna win the game. And like we just dog. Like we just try to come in every day with the dog mentality and just come to practice every day. Prepare. We push and push and push and we just fight for those extra yards. We try to keep turning our feet. If we shed, we get shut on a block, we find the ball and we try to push the pile. We try to get every last yard for our running backs that we can. I love seeing Dion back out there just having fun and playing football again. Hi, uh, you, you touched on it a little bit just there, but the offensive line is one of the strongest units on this football team. Overall, how do you feel like they've progressed and you guys come together to be that really strong unit come, day, come game day? Uh, yeah, so uh, definitely a lot of our older guys, and I'm kind of lumped in with that. We've gone through some stuff this previous years, and so I think just going through the multiple coaches change from last year and the year before to our new staff now has really just made us like a tighter a tighter room and that's kind of what we needed. We needed to play more as a unit and be as like tight as we can, a brotherhood. And we just try to like keep turning no matter like what the outcome is. We just knew that no matter what we have each other and that's what that's the end of the day. Like we're just gonna have each other and that's what we keep focusing on. So every time we get on that field we play for the man next to each other. We play for our quarterback. We play for our running backs. Like every day, like at practice, we're like, "Here we go! Like we're gonna be the best. Like we're gonna be the best um, unit out there, and set the tone for the day. And we're gonna get this thing started so everyone can follow our steps and get going for practice." So you guys have started coming together as an offensive line, but now you got Oregon that you know, playing really good defensively. What are the challenges that Oregon presents to you guys as a front? Uh, they definitely have a strong edge pressure for their two edge wings. Their Russian ends are pretty solid guys. Um, we've been watching a little bit of film lately, and I've been personally, and we know that sometimes they can get out of position, and we're going to capitalize on that. And then we're going to get some interior going. We know their linebackers are good, but their interior is not so – like they're good, but they're not the best that they have. So we know we can get the upfront movement, and we can just keep – pounding and turning for yards, we're going to have a pretty good day, hopefully. Hey, Jared, just with all the uh, injuries at quarterback and running back, how has that affected your job and just trying to fit into the offensive line? Um, it's kind of hard. I mean, I don't think it's hard to, like, situate myself with, like, people with injuries. I've gone through it, and so I kind of understand what they're going through and how it's going. 
But um, we kind of just, like I said, it's the next man up, and we just play for the, the guy that's back there, the guys that are on the sideline, no matter what. We have their back and they have ours, so if someone goes down, it's the next man up. And so we know that that's how college football works. That's how the next level works as well. And we kind of just know that. And so it doesn't matter who's in our backfield or who's running the ball or who's throwing it. Like, we're going to protect and protect and protect and just keep going for the game. Anything else for Tank? All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you.